from every side In the darkness is the light Out of the shadows of my life Welcome once more to another exciting episode of the So Weird Podcast. I am Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And today we are talking about the season two episode, Avatar, which is not, despite what your DirecTV programming guide may tell you, an episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. It is, in fact, an episode of So Weird. That tripped me up so much because when I was younger, after So Weird went off the air completely... Sometimes it would pop up in TV Guide that So Weird would be on when no, it, So Weird was not randomly playing on Nicktoons Network. It was Avatar The Last Airbender, and I was very disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I fell for that once myself, and I, I remember seeing that pop up in the channel guide and just thinking like, oh, that's really weird. Why is a Disney show playing on Nickelodeon, but getting very excited because So Weird hadn't aired in years, and this was before I discovered, well, I don't even remember what year this was, but this was probably before internet video was a practical thing. And um, I'd click on it and it would be this cartoon show. So it was just some weird little programming guide bug. And it would happen several times, like more than once. It yeah. happened up until, does anyone remember? Mm-mm. I think I read 2009, <laughs> possibly. And I well, I can definitely remember it happening more than once because, like I said, the first time it happened, the first time I could I saw it happen anyway, I clicked on it and was very disappointed. And then the second time it popped up in the channel guide, my reaction was, "Nah, fool me <laughs> once." <laughs> and the worst part is when you go to watch the weird episode and it actually is the episode's avatar, then you're still disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The programming glitch may be the most interesting thing about this episode. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> All right. So on this episode of So Weird, we get a little change in the introductions where Jack is the one to do the intro. So <laughs> Jack gives the intro and he talks about computer programs and how people like kind of lose themselves in these virtual realities for themselves. Yeah, well, it's sort of interesting. He, he he mentions there being like a fantasy online game people are getting obsessed with. And I don't know when world of Warcraft first became popular, but it couldn't have been this early. No, I was thinking more like second life. I think that's what they were referring to. No, this was second way life? before second life. Um, I'm not, I, I, the only thing I can think of that might have been around circa 2000, 2001 was runescape might've been around, but um, second life was, later and warcraft i'm pretty sure it was later too i like how he says that there were 125,000 people on this fantasy world and that was probably like such an impressive number back then it seems very <laughs> low now yeah so jack opens up the episode talking about computer programs and virtual reality so surprise surprise in this episode of so weird fiona is not part of the mystery and instead we find and Molly stuck inside a virtual reality because stupid Carrie doesn't know how to recognize spam email. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, watching it now, it seems completely fallacious that somebody would open a mysterious email with a link on it, no other information, just a link, and click the link. But, you know, you got to remember, at this point in time, the internet was still sort of a new thing, so it's at least kind of plausible, though it doesn't really 
it doesn't really um, give you a good impression of Carrie's powers of judgment. Yeah, because, you know, he was trying to contact or talk to a girl that he met after a gig. Yeah, mm -hmm. Tammy Faye? He thought it was a Tammy Faye, but he wasn't really sure. So he was just going through, like, all the emails in P's inbox. Like, ooh, could that be her? Are we to assume from this that uh, Carrie does not have his own email? Uh, it looks yeah. like nobody has their own email except for Faye. So everybody kind of just hijacks Faye. Because mm -hmm. uh, on Fee's email, she gets stuff from Gabe for Jack, and she gets stuff from Biker Mike for Jack. And mm -hmm. then I think there was also an email from Grandpa for uh, Molly. The only problem with this is, you know, we know Jack is active on the internet from Vampire, and Molly is an honest-to-God rock star, so you'd think she would have at least a um, business email to contact people through. I mean, I know this was early, but by 2000, I would imagine that would have existed. I mean, she's actively touring and stuff. I'm just saying that's the part of the episode that pushes believability. I I just don't understand why they share an email. Because, I, I don't know, was that a thing back then? I don't think it was. Nope. Not in my house. Then with AOL, everybody had their own account. We have to ask John Kixie. <laughs> <laughs> This was an episode that uh, was produced to essentially give Cara Delazia a little time off. Uh, so that's why she only appears in a handful of scenes. Her Fiona is off in New York visiting her aunt, so she is not directly involved in this adventure, though her presence looms large. Um, however, I kind of wonder if there were other issues with this one, because this strikes me as an incredibly cheap episode. The majority of this episode is shot on sound stages and on green screen. And boy, is it obvious. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I compare it to like a bottle episode. That's what it feels like. Um, like maybe an episode designed to be cheap because they're in the bus most of the episode. And yeah, with all the green screens, they don't really have to go on location very much. It's sort of a bottle episode in the sense that they're stuck in this internet pocket dimension thing. Also, I definitely remember reading that because it was like a Disney Channel show, obviously they didn't have like an unlimited budget to compensate for episodes where they used a lot of special effects and shooting in locations. They had to have more cheap episodes like Encore was designed to be a cheap clip episode. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty, pra pretty normal practice for genre shows that have special effects elements. Um, for there to be like a cheap episode shot towards the end of the season or the production season anyway. Um, yeah, I don't think any, does anybody like this one? No. <laughs> it gets me mad, but I can watch it and be entertained. Yeah. I actually really enjoy this episode for most of it until Jordan shows up at the end. Yeah, I think everybody oh, hates Jordan. Jordan. Uh, yeah, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> One of the most widely despised So Weird characters. <laughs> um, yeah, Jordan is terrible. He's just the smarmy, obnoxious creep. I mean, he is a creep in the truest definition of the word. He has set up this elaborate <laughs> plot to essentially kidnap Fiona, who he is obsessed with. And He's a cyber stalker. If Facebook existed, he, like, he was the original Facebook stalker before Facebook. Yeah, no, and the episode is kind of ahead of um, ahead of the time in that regard because this was when the internet was only in its infancy. Well, when it was the internet was just beginning to become a common thing, 
And so the terms e-stalking and social media were not really phrases in anybody's lexicon at the time. And here you have an episode of this show that is exactly about that. And Fiona is maybe a little too loose with sharing personal information on her website, apparently. We discover that. Which is something that a lot of people do now, you know, share photos of their family and just regular, like, kind of like diary blog entries. I'm sure she does that. But I guess like this episode shows, you know, you never know who's watching. Yeah, well, the culture has changed in that regard because now with stuff like Facebook and Twitter, it's considered kind of okay to share pictures of friends and family for whatever reason. I think it's important to bring up that today when we show stuff on, like, Facebook, we have the option to check the settings and make sure it's only visible to the people we want to be visible to. Fiona clearly did not have the technology to do that. If it was on the internet, anybody could see it, and clearly anybody includes groups like Jordan. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know how it was with uh, your guys' experiences when you were younger, but I know when I first got online, my parents would always tell me, you know, don't tell anybody your phone number or your address, don't post any pictures, because there are perverts out there who will abduct you and murder you and rape you. So um, I don't know how it was with anybody else, but it was drilled into my head at a young age that you do not share personal information on the internet ever. And And you do not talk to strangers. Yeah, you don't get in any strange vans. Um, (laughs) Don't go into chat rooms, because those are bad. Right, chat rooms are full of perverts. This is what I was taught um, as a young person on the internet for the first time in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and clearly Fiona did not get that lecture. <laughs> no, because it seems like Molly doesn't know much about the internet. Um, well, uh, neither did the writers of the show, apparently, because um, in this episode, this is another episode where the computer can do anything. And just by sending a computer virus type thing to Fiona's email account, he Jordan has engineered a digital netherworld that he can draw people into, uh, which is completely at his control. He can edit this data like a god. And um, <laughs> he's primary use, primarily using this ability to stalk girls on the internet, uh, which is what any, you know, fucking weirdo would do. If it isn't evident, there might be some narrative problems in this episode. <laughs> also the fact that they get to change the setting around them. Um, Molly, Carrie, and Jack just have to click a postcard changes where they are to ridiculous places like with a volcano outside to a campground (laughs) to water suddenly pouring into the bus because they're underwater. Yeah, this was clearly a 1 a.m. in the writer's room all we've had, you know, where we're (laughs) gulping coffee and donuts trying to get this thing done before a deadline idea. Well, that's because um, they had to write this episode because the original one wasn't allowed by Disney, right? This right, is yeah. Right. That Let's talk about that one because it's far more interesting. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about Chrysalis. I, I left it up to you guys because I assumed you would know more. Yes. So the original promise for this episode to give Carrot Elysia a week off would have been Jack and Carrie going back to Carrie's college for a campus visit. Originally, Carrie was supposed to have been discovered to have an alcohol problem. But when Disney had an issue with Carrie having an alcohol problem, then they switched it to his roommate, Drew, having an alcohol problem. And it was, a, you know, traditional Disney lesson of, oh, drinking is bad. And then the so weird vibe to it was at the bottom of his drink, 
was like this little worm type thing. And when he drank it, strange things happened. Um, so he he got a weird, evil bootleg bottle of tequila. Was the MacGuffin for this week? Yes, I forget exactly what the weird element was. I always thought the most interesting parts of this episode that Disney never allowed to happen was that it would have been discovered that Molly had developed an alcohol problem after Rick's death, and she would have helped Carrie or Carrie's friends like get to AA and get through his problem. Yeah, I mean, that would have been pretty interesting since, I mean, everybody knows that um, Mackenzie Phillips has had a history of problems with substance abuse, so clearly it would have been intriguing to see her bring that autobiographical element to the episode. And as interesting as that sounds, I, I think there might have been a concern if it had been made that it could have come across as a very special episode, one of those. <laughs> but So Weird was pretty good about handling that kind of stuff, so it probably would have been all right. It's certainly better than this. It would have been better, oh, yeah. but to me, it still seems way too out there. That's me. It just seems too intense. The psychedelic worm is weird. <laughs> yeah, but so so that so when we were talking earlier about how this was probably something that was done cheaply and quickly to fill out the season order, that's probably exactly what it was because their original idea got vetoed. Uh, and that just makes it another reason why I hate this episode. I hate it for the episode that it is. I hate it because Jordan, fuck you, you make me sick. <laughs> it's not this episode that we could have had. Like we could have had character developments. The only hint of character development we got in this episode was that Jack sees something that he can't explain and he's at a loss for words. At the end of the episode, Jordan has to go in, erase some files, and everybody's memory is like wiped clean. They have no recollection of this experience whatsoever, rendering this entire episode completely useless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I hate it when they do a blank slate thing like that. That is just. Like, you know, why are you wasting my friggin' time so weird? Um, the only thing this episode could have been good for is Jack experiencing the paranormal, but it doesn't do that because Jack has no memory of it. Yeah, and... It could have redeemed um, itself, but it doesn't. Yeah, because he really, you know, there's that moment, I think the money shot in this episode was when he walks up to this computer grid formation at the end of the street and sticks his hand through. I yeah. seem to recall seeing that in a preview or a commercial for this episode or something. Um, yeah, that sticks out. And I think when people are trying to think of this episode, that's the picture that pops up in your head. Yeah, yeah. it is. And that's a very late 90s thing. I, you know, this is kind of an obscure reference. It reminds me of one of the Halloween episodes of The Simpsons where Homer yes! disappears in a portal behind the house and ends up in the CGI world that looks very similar to that. It yeah, was, uh, that's what I remember also. But okay, I don't so, remember the episode except that green, you know, those green lines and it being like a really weird episode. Yeah, well, it was one of the Halloween episodes and it was a parody of a Twilight Zone segment called Little Girl Lost. Um, but... Yeah, it just that seems to me that kind of enamor, enamorment, is that a word? Sure, let's go with it. That kind of enamorment of primitive computer graphics is just a very late 90s thing in my brain because uh, it was a new toy and everybody was sort of fascinated with what it could do. But otherwise, the special effects in this are hella cheap. It's just at the end when they're on the beach, it is the shittiest looking green screen in the, <laughs> the world. Beach is so oh, bad. Yeah. Oh, I like when it gets turns into a thunderstorm, though. 
in the blink of an eye. Wow. Well, and one the one thing I do like about this is when Jordan is trying to come on like I am as a god, and Molly is just sort of staring at him like, you know, bitch, get out of my way before I cut you. <laughs> yeah, and that line where he has of like, oh, I brought Fiona here. She will be my queen. And Molly's just like, your queen? Yeah, like 911, the Jordan kid is a joke, and nobody takes him seriously, even <laughs> though he wields infinite power. Uh, okay, so the little bit that I like of this episode, it's mainly on the Phillips family, if you just ignore Jordan, <laughs> including Carrie. And we see a little bit of Ned and Irene. Yeah, they do have a cute moment at the beginning of the episode where they're in a thrift shop or something, and um, Ned picks up one of these old-timey, it's kind of like an old-timey uh, Viewmaster, and I've seen mm-hmm. them before. There's a word for them. I don't know what it is, but it would produce sort of this weird quasi-3D image when you look through it. Yeah, and I like Jack taking on more of a leave, at least in the beginning of the episode, and um, how he becomes a little protective over Molly and Fee when once you know Jordan starts going crazy. And we do get a couple of callbacks. Um, we get a callback to Rebecca and Tulpa. Uh, yeah, which is really odd because Jordan just brings up, yeah, I know Rebecca. I'm like, why would Rebecca have an email address? Yeah, you know, this person <laughs> yeah. who's living this nomadic lifestyle, I can't imagine would be online. And Molly has no reaction. I can't imagine Rebecca's parents letting her near a computer. Yeah, no, me neither. It doesn't make any sense. Carrie in this episode is so funny, though. He's like my saving grace for this episode. Um, Well, I'm I'm surprised Kat hasn't brought it up. There is a moment where um, Molly hugs Jack and Carrie and says, I love you guys. And I'm (laughs) sitting there watching this thing like, oh, well, knowing how the shippers were for the show, how the shippers are. I bet this was some grist for them. What say you, Kat? Um, actually, I thought you were going to talk about that moment where Jack sticks his hand through the portal and Carrie and Molly exchange glances that look very meaningful. Like, they're staring deep into each other's You know, that, they, they hug and she tells him that she loves him and you pinpoint a glance? <laughs> yes. Like, I can't explain it, but it feels different the way that Carrie hugs her back. Like, the way his arm is. Uh, Okay, I just want to mention some stuff here. Um, The kid, another reason to dislike Jordan is the actor playing him is not very good in the part. Richard DeClerc is his name, and he's done some television and some movies. He's been in some things. And a problem with this character, in addition to just him being a creepy weirdo and his motivation being really kind of out of nowhere, is the fact that he's a creepy weirdo and he gets like a redemption arc yeah that's what i hate the most mm-hmm. it's like are okay are we supposed to feel bad for him because he's um in quotes lonely he's probably lonely because of how much of a jerk and stalker he is yeah he's oh a God. literal stalker yes. yeah <laughs> yeah i remember uh, i think molly says I don't think he's evil, guys. I think he's lonely. And I'm like, well, you can be both. Haven't you seen Dr. Horrible? Like, <laughs> Or, or okay. any other, lots of other things. Um. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, don't excuse it, man. At the end, he just shows up on the bus, and Irene and Ed are like, um, well, who's your friend? <laughs> and they're like, I don't know. And then they just forget about it. Like, they don't call the cops on this kid just breaking into their bus. 
you know, he had his shirt tucked in and glasses, and they probably thought, oh, he's innocent or whatever. Yeah, I mean, and earlier in the episode, he threatens to unmake Molly and Jack and Carrie, and and then we're supposed to feel sorry for this douchebag. I'm sorry, it doesn't wash. Yeah. If he if this was made in 2017, he would you know have Pepe the Frog in his avatar, and he would be trolling <laughs> people on Twitter. He'd be sending death threats to movie stars. You know, he he is exactly that type. Yeah, but this is for me the worst episode in so weird history. Do you mean like worst season one, season two episode, or worst episode, period? No, worst overall for me. Because, like, with season, like, I feel like season three is better because I have lower expectations for season three. You're supposed to be better than this. And the fact <laughs> that it's not Chrysalis, it just makes it so much worse. I mean, this is, I would definitely say this is one of the um, the weakest, I mean, if not the weakest, season one, season two episode. I think um, it doesn't have a pooping changeling baby in it, so it's better than that one. I'll put it above that episode for sure. You do an Annie moment, so that gets a pass for me. Mm, yeah, no, I, I hate that episode with a fiery vengeance, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't I can't help you out there. Um, another interesting thing. And Jackson. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, that, all right. But but the point is, uh, no, it's bad. It's for sure bad. I, I would not say this is my least favorite episode in the entire history of the show, but it's... It's low. I would rank this one lowly for sure. Yeah. Maybe one of the reasons why this one kind of is not too hot is I don't think the writer had done any other episode of So Weird. This was written by a writer named Jeff. I'm going to butcher this last name here. Valaming, V-L-A-M-I-N-G. And uh, he's a pretty busy writer. He's written on pretty much every single genre television show of note of the last two decades X-Files, Briscoe County Jr., Weird Science, Lois and Clark, Animorph, Xena, uh, Murder in Small Town X, if anybody remembers that thing, Battlestar Galactica, Teen Wolf, on and on, Hannibal, Fringe. So he's a, a busy writer, but I don't see any other so weird credits for him. Um, um, so when I search on Wikipedia, it shows, you know, on the list of so weird episodes, it shows that he did two more in season three. Okay. He did Earth 101. Oh, uh, that episode sucks too. <laughs> and then the other one, uh, the Great Encanto. Uh, uh, yeah, no, well, I hate that one too. Boy, this is this is a hat trick here, three for three. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what his uh, other screenplays are like, um, but yeah, his work on So Weird does not inspire a lot of confidence. And this was another Paul Lynch episode. Paul Lynch previously directed Angel Drive, Nightmare. All those episodes are pretty good, but this one is. Uh, I mean, I have no issue with the visual presentation of it, but um, I don't think it was his fault, but yeah. I wonder if like John Cooksey and the other writers were just like, you know what? Disney won't let us write it here. You, you just write whatever the hell you want. Go ahead. We don't care. <laughs> Who knows? Well, I mean, does anybody else have anything else they want to say? <laughs> the one part of this episode that I like is Jack talking about his memories on the tour bus when he and Steve were little and how they would make like little towns and fill them with little popsicle people. I thought that was a really cute story. Yeah, because I did like I that. Yeah, I don't think about it too often how Jack and Steve were on the road when they were little kids and how that might have shaped them. Though I do wonder, you know, at the beginning of the series, Molly is going on a big tour for the first time in a while. So, hmm... I do think it's sweet that Fee ends up helping them, even though they've been, you know, horrible to her. 
in terms of her acceptance of the weird. You know, I, I wonder if down the road, like, what would she, what did she do later on? She like, guys, what happened? And they were like, uh, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Because she, her memory wasn't erased, right? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they even talk about how she had to go to a neighbor of her aunt in order to get uh, find a computer with internet access to contact them. Yeah, she'd be really concerned if she heard them say all that and then their memories were wiped. Uh, that would be a that'd be a good fan fiction. Just like Fiona's, like, oh guys, are, is everybody okay? What happened? Everybody's just like, oh what? Huh? What happened? What are you talking about? <laughs> Maybe she'll think that they're playing a joke on her. Yeah, yeah because that's what her me. initial reaction was when Jack tried to say like, oh, something weird's going on. Last April Fool's Day is in April. Yeah, that's a cute line. I do like that moment. Um, you know, I I just feel like this episode was kind of ill conceived in a lot of ways. <laughs> What what say you, Kathy? I mean, general thoughts. Um, I just wanted to say that the moral, you know, part of the episode or the climax was when Molly was giving her little speech, right? Right. About how, you know, it's not about these worlds, but it's more like the physical aspect of being around people and having friends and family. And um, I don't know how that would motivate Jordan to suddenly be a better person. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just from a, a writing perspective, it's a little lazy because you have a character outright kind of explaining the moral of the week in just words, just an exposition. So, yeah, that was kind of weird, too. I think maybe there was this concern at the time because, you know, the Internet was still new that people would become addicted to it. And in fact, there's a line from Fiona where she says something like, you know, does she miss her laptop? And she, she admits that she does. Um <laughs> And of course, you know, I mean, now it's just a matter of fact. Everybody's got their phones in their pockets. Everybody's checking Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and what have you all the time. So we all are hooked to the internet now. We all are on that uh, that morphine drip of likes and chipsins and responses and such. So I, I, it's true. It's absolutely true. We're, the, the internet is a is an addictive narcotic, and we're all hooked. Um, yeah, but general... Uh I just I say that I get entertained because I just like seeing Molly and Jack and Carrie a lot throughout the episode. But that's about it. Rating time? Oh, okay. Is it time for the rating? Um, I would give this one a 3 out of 10, which is, I believe, my lowest season 1, season 2 rating. I would give it a 4 out of 10. Emily? Believe it or not, I give this one... I know, my rating system is total crap. Okay, I give this one a thumbs up and a thumbs down. So, like I said, I actually really do enjoy the first 15 minutes of this episode up until Jordan says something like, no, I have all the cards. Because Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know, I guess I really like the idea of being able to, like, instantly go to a different world, even if it is a virtual one. So the postcards... That, that was kind of really appealing to me watching it. Like, oh, you just pressed a postcard and then you're somewhere else. It like kinda, a volcano. Yeah. <laughs> I like that aspect of it. And I know it's a little cheesy, like dated with their, you know, perception of the internet and everything. But it's kind of a nostalgic cheesy for me and not like a, oh, I'm wincing cheesy. Well, I understand the nostalgia thing. I feel that all the time while watching this show. I mean, I, I bring that up constantly, so... Yeah. All right, Kat, what say you? One. Ooh. <laughs> this yeah, is it. as low as it as low gets for me. 
I cannot emphasize how just how much I dislike this episode. It's fathom for me. Is that is that one next? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, we needs to say none of us are big fans of this one. All our ratings are kind of on the lower end. Well, for an episode that wasn't supposed to exist, I think that's okay. Is a thing that should not be. <laughs> yes. All right, so do we have any feedback this week? Yeah, we do. Okay. So this is from East Street Band Fan 1, and they commented on our fall episode. And they said, sorry for the long post, but to start off, I think it's great that there was a Ned-centric episode. I think it is the only other one next to Mutiny where Ned is the main character. His acting was great in this episode. You can definitely tell he went over the top to make sure his acting was superb for when he and Sam had to relive the memory of Pete's death. Also, this episode also reminded me a lot of season three's Eddie's Desk. Whereas Lewis Peltz was really Pete in Fall, but the janitor was really Eddie in Eddie's desk. Both were left a little bit open as to whether the characters actually weren't dead, but were actually still around in a different capacity. Lewis really being Pete and the ghost of Eddie at the end of Eddie's desk. The other interesting thing is how in Fall, it forced Ned and his friend to relive a painful memory, which in turn led Fee to realize Lewis was Pete. In Eddie's desk, it took Bud's recognition for Annie to realize Bud was Eddie. Yeah, Fall is like a good version of Eddie's desk. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, thank you, East Street Band. You are the real dancer in the dark for all your contributions to our feedback section. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, thank you. And for our episode blues, we got one comment from... Asian SETI, I hope that's how you say it. They said, I generally enjoyed the episode and remembered it well. But yeah, the appropriation and fit every black southern fun fact into 22-ish minutes was kind of yikes. <laughs> the show could have benefited from more world mythos as long as it's done well. Although there's only so much mythology and urban legends, they could fit into three seasons. They did sort of dive into them in Season 3 for Exit 13, Mummy, Babel, A Tiny Bit with Voodoo, and Annie's Song. Um, well, you know, I mean, I got to say, um, I think the world of urban legends and mythology is pretty much limitless. So, but, you know, that's me. <laughs> I, I just, he pointed at, they pointed out those particular episodes in Season 3, and I was kind of wondering why. What about those episodes did they like or... Oh, because they were talking about mythology and urban legends. And then okay. they said they did sort of dive into them in season three. Okay. Yeah, with like Annie's song and the Native American culture. Those episodes are problematic. But, yeah. More yeah, than yeah. This show didn't do a good job exploring cultures. Yeah, the um, the handling of Native uh, American Indian culture in Annie's song is about as... Uh, subtle as the handling of uh, black African-American culture was in blues. So, which is to say not that much, but thank you for the feedback. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. And then we got a comment from Andrea. So for blues, they said, after this podcast, my mind will now never read 
the AF the same way <laughs> ever again uh, whenever I watch Blues. Although some of you don't favor this episode too much, I really enjoy it. I like that Molly gets to sing a song that is unlike the tone and mood for her usual music. It is refreshing and shakes things up. It keeps the series fun. I'm not sure what you all think of Avatar, but that is another episode I really love because oh, no. that episode <laughs> because that episode gives the skeptics a chance to witness an abnormal paranormal situation firsthand. And Jack narrates the intro. I think Jordan's attempts to intimidate Molly, Jack, and Carrie into luring Fee into his virtual world are cheesy. But the encounter with his with this lonely computer genius highlights Molly's motherly nature when she reaches out to Jordan with compassion and afterward when she ho holds on tight to Carrie and Jack in a loving and protective manner. It also brings out Jack's protective side when he insists that Fee will not come to the virtual world. The episode also has tiny references to other episodes like Rebecca when Jordan pulls up her email address. And I don't know if it is intentional or not, but one of Molly's lines in the episode is... I didn't hear a siren. Laugh out loud. Plus, when Fee's message to everyone shows up on the bus window, it's almost similar to when Fee reaches out to Camilla through her computer when she is comatose and lost. Also, hmm. I commend Mackenzie Phillips for great face acting. I love the look of longing on her face when she sees Rebecca's email address and images of Rick. I also appreciate the bits of humor, especially when Carrie slams his hand down on the volcano postcard and Molly says, Carrie, what are you trying to do? Fry us? Well, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Andrea. Uh, but I'm very sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> <laughs> I do like all that you pointed out with uh, the so. references. I really do like the moment where Jack stands up for Faye. Yeah, as always, uh, Andrea's feedback is great and very in-depth, and I feel like she's an honorary host of the show at this point. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. But, yeah, J Jordan messes this whole episode up. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I like that she mentioned, make, mentioned the pictures of Rick on the screen, because that was nice. They had a lot of pictures in the background. Of, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm curious when those were taken because I I don't recall seeing a lot of them before. Yeah, like there's one of them with the grandparents and uh, uh, one of the younger children having a picnic. Is is nice. Yeah, I mean, there's a picture a of Fiona goofing around and she has glasses on and she's holding a guitar or something. That picture we've seen before on Medium. Okay. But it's cool to screen grab them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, uh, that, that is neat, those um those little pictures at the end. I hadn't thought about that. Um, but yeah, thank you. And thanks to everyone always for commenting. Well, you know, I say this every time, but we really do love and appreciate the fact that everybody, our, our listeners are so communicative and send us so much feedback. Um, really, you know, I, as I've said before on my other podcasts, I never get feedback. So it's nice to, that people to know that people are listening to this. So thank you so much. And I'm still going strong. That means a lot. Well, going strong ish. The fandom <laughs> still exists. You should say. <laughs> yes. And that's impressive for a Disney channel show. That's over 15 years old. Now that Disney channel completely forgot. All right, so is that everything? Um, on our forum, the boss applesauce, Melissa, um, 
on our little chat box, she said that apparently Disney is going to be rebooting Mickey Mouse Club. Oh, what's even the point? <laughs> I'm Googling it, and I think it says as a Facebook series. Fa a Facebook series? Is Facebook getting into original video production stuff? Wait, being a Facebook exclusive series instead of airing on Disney Channel. But uh -huh. Club Mickey Mouse does promise to be an exciting blend of old and new, according to BuzzFeed. Club Mickey Mouse will celebrate the original club of yesteryear while bringing the show into present day with a diverse cast of talented young creators. You, you know, I feel like the time for the Mickey Mouse Club has kind of passed, but <laughs> okay. Uh, the fact that it's going to be a Facebook series, that is strange and frightening to me. Wasn't Mickey Mouse Club really for kids, though? Are kids on Facebook? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a good point. The early 90s reboot, which I don't remember, but I do know that like Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera, I believe, were all on it as little wee chitlins. Um, like the thing with that show is it was really aimed at like the tween audience. Mm -hmm. And are they on Facebook? I was under the impression that the teenagers were all about the Instagrams, not so much the facey books. I have no idea. Yeah, this entire development is baffling to me. There was another reboot announced today or a potential reboot uh, oh related to the paranormal. Oh, you're talking about the Sabrina the Teenage Witch announcement? Yes. I'm actually very excited about this. I don't know who has been reading the um, Chilling Tales of Sabrina comic book series, which is not a comedy at all. It's actually a surprisingly good horror series. When uh, they first announced it, I thought it was a terrible idea. A grim, dark Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but the comic's great. So the idea of that becoming a television series, I think, has a lot of potential. Though it's from the same people who have done Riverdale, which I have never seen and have no interest in. But uh, I am intrigued by the uh, a Sabrina series that keeps with the tone of that comic book. I feel like that could actually be pretty cool. Hmm. I didn't realize it was based off a comic. Yeah. Well, that, that's interesting, I guess. I, I never watched Sabrina, so I don't have any particular love for it or care about what happens to it but man i was all about that show when i was like a kid you know i loved the talking cat and melissa joan hart uh was an early crush so yeah though that, that's a, that's a big one for me it's a terrible show like i watch it as an adult <laughs> and i think what was i what did i ever see in this but um i was a fan as a kid i think it's because the cat talked i just don't <laughs> like talking animals yeah oh <laughs> all right well um if nobody else has anything else they want to talk about i'll promote this a little bit. Um, I have a blog that's devoted to film. It's um, www.zaxfilmthoughts.blogspot.com. And currently I am, I've just begun my six week long Halloween Horror Fest blogathon, where I will be reviewing as many horror films and television shows as possible. And um, if you're interested in old genre television, this year I'm reviewing stuff like Masters of Horror, and Perversions of Science, which was HBO's follow-up to Tales from the Crypt, and stuff like that. And lots of lots of horror movies from all time periods and eras. So if you enjoy listening me listening to me talk about random bullshit, definitely check that out, please. I appreciate it. Give me your clicks. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for listening. This has been the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. Keep the faith and don't open strange email attachments. Oh, yeah.